covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It is great to have you with us. This is the end of the regular season edition of the podcast as we have indeed reached the end of the regular season. It is now time for the postseason, which the Brewers have qualified for for the second season in a row, and they will be playing in the National League wildcard game, and that game is going to be coming up on Tuesday evening in Washington as they take on the Nationals. Let's get our housekeeping items out of the way here at the top of the podcast. First and foremost, if you want to get in contact with me, best way to reach me is by finding me on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Also, if you do listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast and want to leave a ranking and review, that's fantastic. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, that is also a very good thing that we would be very appreciative of you uh, doing. So uh, thank you in advance for subscribing to the podcast. I do want to say a special hello and a special welcome to uh, everybody listening to this show on over-the-air radio as we are now uh, also played back on 540 ESPN during uh, Doug Russell's pod center that he puts together in the afternoons on 540 ESPN. So a special hello to you. do want to remind you, I love that uh, you're listening to us uh, on the radio right now, but if you ever want to grab this podcast on demand, you can find it at WTMJ.com. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Stitcher. All right, so I am recording this right now. As I speak, the words that are coming out of my mouth at this very moment are coming out of my mouth at 11.27 p.m. on Sunday, September 29th. So we are, what, uh, four or so hours since the uh, since the regular season came to an end for the Brewers? And there's been one thing that I've been really kind of reflecting back on. And what it is is how things can change so incredibly quickly. And this year's Brewers team and the way that September went down is a great example. Most logical, sensible, right kind of thinking Brewers fans, three weeks ago, a month ago at the most, but really three weeks ago, if we would have given you the option for the Brewers to qualify for the playoffs as the second wild card, you would have jumped at it. You would have taken it. Great. Awesome. In the playoffs. That's that's fantastic. But now we can sit here three weeks later, be happy about the playoffs. I'm not trying to poo-poo them getting into the postseason. This is a significant thing for this team and for this organization. But what we can... What we can also do is lament the fact that they're the second wild card. So we can lament something today that three weeks ago we would have just absolutely taken and been somewhat excited about. And that's, to me, that's interesting. And I, I, I really, something that's that I'm going to work on in this podcast, because there are going to be some times in the course of this program that I think it's going to sound like we're looking at things from a negative point of view. We're really not. It is a it is an incredible accomplishment, and it is it was an amazing September run that gets to the Brewers to where they're at. But I also think it's notable and and it's worth mentioning. We have to mention it was the story of this past week. The door was wide open. The door was wide 
open for the Brewers to at the very least force a game 163 against the Cardinals. And, of course, last year they played a game 163 against Chicago, and they kind of had some success with that, if you remember. The Cubs took two of three from from St. Louis. So if the Brewers could have taken two of three from Colorado, and based off the way the Brewers were playing going into the Colorado series, I think most people would have said that winning two out of three would be a legitimate request of that team. If that would have happened, the Brewers would be playing a game 163 on Monday. Instead, they're going to go to Washington and they're going to play the wild card game coming up on Tuesday. We'll see what ends up happening. They've got a fighter's chance to win that game. It's going to be a tough challenge. That's a Washington has as good a pitching as anybody out there, and uh, they're really going to be kind of uh, stacking that pitching up with Max Scherzer getting the start. But because it's a, a winner-take-all, one-game sort of play-in contest, they're also planning to have Patrick Corbin and Steven Strasburg available for it as well. That's going to be a challenge. But all I can really do is kind of reflect on the month of September. At one point, the Brewers won 18 of 20 games in the month of September. They were able to cut down so much ground. They were able to win so many games in the month that we can finish off this season, that we can see the regular season come to an end, we can see the Brewers be done with the regular season and be a little bit bummed out by the fact that they did not, at the very least, force a game 163. It's just, to me, that's incredible. To me, that is uh, noteworthy. To me, there's a, there's a lot of words we can use to describe it. Uh, it is incredibly just uh, just what a run. What a run that this team went on. That they can they get swept in a weekend series against the Rockies, and had they not been swept. Really, if they, they had to win two out of three. Win two out of three against a Rockies team that's not very good, and they would have been playing game 163. And instead, they're going to the wild card game. Now, I will say this: I, I got a text message during the post game show on WTMJ. Actually, it was a tweet on the post game show on WTMJ, and somebody asked me whether or not I thought that them losing the game and losing uh, the the series and not forcing a game one sixty three is actually a blessing in disguise for the Brewers. I didn't complete, like, your first reaction to that is, no, it's not a blessing in disguise. But then I start thinking about it a little bit, and we'll never really know if it's going to be a blessing in disguise, but there's a couple areas, and there's one scenario, again, that we'll never know if it would have played out. If we could hop in the DeLorean and change things, then we would we'd be able to do that. But the one scenario that could have happened, that now will not happen, that it's a blessing to just be going straight to the wild card game would be this. If the Brewers would have forced the game 163, gone to St. Louis on Monday, played in the played in that uh, that uh, game 163, lost that game and then still be forced to go then play the wild card game on Tuesday. Just losing over the weekend falling short of the division, not playing on Monday, going straight to Washington, having a Sunday game where you didn't use any of your high-leverage relievers, and you also uh, saw once that the Cardinals got ahead of the Cubs by a wide margin early on, you're able to start taking some of your regulars out so they are rested. That's a better scenario. 
Now, overall, it would be a better scenario to force the game 163, win that, win the division, and go play the Atlanta Braves in the NLDS as opposed to playing the wild card game, maybe winning it, maybe not winning it. If you do win it, you have to go play the Dodgers. But the one scenario that just going straight to the wild card game does beat is the scenario where you lose the game 163. So potentially, potentially a blessing in disguise. The other thing I would say, and it kind of in a way goes along with what I just said, but it's also unique in its uh, in its own right. From a health standpoint, you don't get the sense that Ryan Braun would have been available for a game on Monday. Sounds like that extra day, he should be good to go on Tuesday. Kind of the same thing with Lorenzo Cain. Good chance those guys aren't playing on Monday. Or if they are playing, they're nowhere near 100%, and it might even impact how good they would be moving forward. So without those guys, again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying. Do you, do you win that game? Now, they've won a lot of games without Christian Yelich. Clearly, they can win a game without Ryan Braun and without Lorenzo Cain. But those are two of the players that you're counting on the most, especially late in the season. So giving those guys an extra rest, uh, being able to get right to Washington, D.C., where there's no extra plane flight. They were able to get into their hotels on Sunday night, uh, sleep there, do whatever they need to do on Monday, go through treatment, that sort of thing, and then get set for the game on Tuesday night. There is an advantage to that. There's less travel. There's less wear and tear on everybody's bodies. Uh, And they're in the middle of a ride. I mean, they spent the last week on the road, and they could potentially spend about two weeks on the road because if they win on Tuesday – they would then hop back on a plane and they would open up their series against the Dodgers in Los Angeles on Thursday. So that's that's the blessing in disguise if there is one. I guess we'll never really know for sure, but there are some positives. You can definitely spin it to say there are some positives with them going right to the wild card game. Of course, they need to win that wild card game for all that to play out. Here's what's coming up with the podcast this week. Ashton Rotman returns to the show. He's going to be with us in uh, just a moment or so as we have our social media conversation. Ashton is the uh, producer over on uh, 94.5 ESPN for the midday shows, the uh, Power Lunch with uh, Greg Matzik, and then uh, the TBD show as well. And uh, one of my best friends, Ashton, will be on the podcast in uh, just a moment or so. This is Brewers Extra is the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It's time for our social media conversation, and uh, we welcome back onto the the podcast. That's what it's called. The guy who is the uh, producer for uh, the Power Lunch with Greg Matzik. He also does uh, the producer of the TBD show. I can't talk. Some people would just start this thing over, but not me. It's Ashton Rotman, at Ashton underscore Rotman. Rotman on Twitter. Hi, Ashton. Save me from my bumbling self. Hey, Maddie. You just got to power through it sometimes. As you know, just like me and tweeting, just got to tweet through it. Just keep powering through it. We'll all get through it together. Maybe. Probably not. Just tweet enough that uh, your bad tweet is far enough down your timeline that nobody's going to notice it. Yeah, the problem with that with me, though, is that when I keep tweeting, it just keeps being worse and worse tweets. So, you know, just keep powering until you find one that works. I had a Twitter situation the other day where I was I was trying to be funny, and that's always a bad, that's a bad thing, where uh, the it was about probability. I don't know if you saw this. 
it was about the probability where more teams had better than a 50% chance of getting into the postseason than there were postseason spots available, which is just kind of a funny thing to look at. Now, I understand, like, game theory. I understand that from a probability standpoint, like, if you're playing musical chairs, everybody has better than a 50% chance to advance to the next round, even though you're going to, like, like I, that's what everybody was telling me, and people were being jerks about it and coming at me hard, like, that I didn't understand anything. So finally, I just delete the tweet not because I'm embarrassed Ugh. of the tweet, but because I'm sick of people coming at me. And then people see that I delete the tweet, and people had screenshotted it like I'm somebody, and I'm a complete nobody. And all of a sudden, people Matt, start never s- back down. People never start sending down. me screenshots of this tweet that I sent out, calling me names because I deleted the tweet. And I wasn't deleting it because I was running away from it. I was deleting it because I was washing my hand of the situation. Sounds like you were backing down from a fight. That's all I'm going to say. It was not that. Yeah, you know what? It was that because I don't want to fight on Twitter. I, I pick and choose my spots to fight, and Twitter is not the place to do it. Anyways. Okay, I don't know how we got there. It's because uh, how – okay, so I think – can we agree that Saturday night's loss was the worst loss of the season for the Brewers? Oh, my God. I mean, probably because I can't think of any others off the top of my head, but that's – Yes, I, that that was – and everything that happened that went into it, like just go along the list of everything that happened in that game. It went from being like one of the most exhilarating wins to all of a sudden Josh Hader just throws a, a pitch up and up and away and the guy just throws his barrel at the ball and it's out and it's like, oh, no, what what the hell just happened? Yeah, it's it's the way they lost combined with the stakes and the you know how much losing mm-hmm. mattered. That's why I mm-hmm. say it's the worst loss. And – you get into Sunday, and once the Cardinals clearly take control of that game, you're not playing for anything at that point in time. So some people compared the Sunday loss to the Saturday loss because you gave it away. They, they were nowhere even in the same neighborhood of each other. But thank goodness the postseason is going to begin on Tuesday. But unfortunately, the, the season kind of ends with a thud. Yeah, I mean, it does, and it's true, but I thought it was interesting. I don't, I, if you saw what Yasmani Grandal said after the game about, you know, it's it's probably okay that they lost this series because at, at some point they had to lose eventually and kind of build themselves back up. And I think Ryan Braun was talking about revving himself back up uh, for coming back from injury for this one-game playoff. I, I think, it's, like, losing is never a good thing. I don't really care what anyone says. Losing is never a good thing, but if you're going to lose, maybe make it be the, the end of the season where you can be like, okay, now we know what's going on. We already don't have this chance. We need to build back up. Now we know what the goals are, and they can get back to it. So it was more of a weird thing. But once Saturday happened, my my mind was, all right, well, Tuesday in D.C. it is. I wasn't quite there because crazier things have happened. The Cubs could have beat the Cardinals. and mm-hmm. that, that, I mean, it didn't happen, but it could have happened. And if that happens, I think the Brewers win their game against the Rockies because it's managed in a very different kind of way and different guys are used and different guys are not taken out of the game. But it, I think it is disappointing. Brewers fans are disappointed that – the Cubs opened up the door for the Brewers to walk through it by taking the first two from St. Louis, and the Brewers just could not hold up their end of the deal. Yeah, you know what? For me, anyway, I know like Saturday night's loss was super deflating, but Friday night to me was pretty deflating as well because again, they had that lead, everything was going fine. It was okay. It's two to two. Then at one point, and then it just it just all fell apart without anything really happening. And meanwhile, the Cubs did the the exact opposite of they had to come back, and then they dropped seven runs in an inning. It was like. Okay, well, again, that's another game they could have just taken. And then Saturday happens, and for me, it just got worse and worse, and that's why I my thought moved to, 
All right, let's you know, moving on. It just just if if something crazy happens Sunday, great. But my mindset was, all right, let's let's see how it gets managed, and let's see how we can start shaping up um, what the pitching situation is going to look like on Tuesday. The the bullpen situation, the 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 actual batting order, all that. When teams take momentum into the playoffs, we make a huge deal of it. Should we make as much of a deal when teams go into the playoffs without momentum? Uh, yes, but I will counter that by saying, what would you consider no momentum versus having momentum in the in the sense of the Brewers? Okay, they lose three in a row, but they had won what eighteen of twenty before that. So I, I guess where where to me, I, I would ask you, where's the line of okay, that momentum is completely gone versus just okay, here's a hiccup in that momentum. Saturday night's loss combined with not getting to a game one sixty three. Okay. Then that's fine. I, I do not view it that way, but I think that's fair. Then if fans view it in that sense of, okay, well, now the momentum's gone, uh, then, yeah, I think we should be making a big deal out of it. I, I just – I don't view it as such. It just – I don't know. I'm not trying – look, I'm uh, – we've we've been talking now for like six minutes, and I feel like we've gotten very few positive things out there, and I'm, I'm excited about what's going to happen. And the first part of this past week with what they did in Cincinnati was, was good. <clears throat> I mean, there was a lot of good stuff, and they're in the postseason, and that's the most important thing. And I'm not trying to be somebody who begrudges the postseason because I don't. It just – there was there was the it's opportunity for more, and they weren't able to get the more. Yeah, it's, it's a bummer. Like, there's just, And there's nothing wrong with that. And that, again, if this had happened like last weekend and we were heading into the final week, okay, you know, you're two games, you're two games back and, and you're just coming off this three-game losing streak, but you still have six games to play, you would feel a lot different than, okay, there's this three-game losing streak after having won X, out of, X amount of games out of X amount of games. But, you know, you still are in the playoffs. I, I totally understand it. I just – I am not viewing it that way. And I think that's something that I can keep my sanity a little bit. And I, again, I think that's a positive thing. It's just, okay, move, you know, moving on. Yeah. It's, uh, and this team has accomplished something. They, they made it into the postseason. It's incredible. And I don't think there's anything wrong with the tone that we're taking, but it really is incredible that this tone can be a valid tone, a, a tone of disappointment, considering where this team even was three yeah. weeks ago. A hundred percent. And look, I'm not going to sit here and act like I, I was. I was completely out as of I think September 9th or whatever that that weekend series. It might have been the sixth or the seventh, uh, right after week one of the Packers Bears game. Because I remember that was the weekend where I was like, okay, this seems like doom and gloom unless something changes right now. And I had said on on our shows on 94.5 ESPN that day, like, look, unless they're going to go off on a stretch of winning like 13 straight games, I think was the exact quote I used. There's just no use in getting super worked up about it. I'm going to try and enjoy the rest of the season. Lo and behold, they did it great, but and they looked they looked like a completely different team. And of course, the competition is is what it is. But like you're still playing major leaguers, right? So the fact that they are where they are, and the fact that we're having this conversation is, in my eyes, a, a positive thing, just in general. They're in the postseason. That's a positive. Even if they lose the wild card game, they are still a postseason team, no matter how it might mm-hmm. feel with it being a one and done. But this is also a team that had huge expectations going into the year. So is it fair to say, yes, this team has accomplished something. Yes, this team has had a good year, but they have not had as good of a year as they were supposed to? Oh, 110%. Yeah, I, I don't think – I would actually counter anyone that disagrees with that. I would, I would just want to know why and how. Uh, because, look, we all knew what, we, what the expectation, expectations were going into the season. Of course, they had you know the Canable injury, the Bobby Wall, the trade for Bobby Wall, and then him getting injured, not being part of it. And there's all these factors right at the, the outset, and yet still they started what seven and one, I believe, right in their first eight games. Yeah. 
And the, the optimism probably could never have been higher to start the season. And then it was just kind of from there was, okay, well, they're, they're a baseball team. <laughs> like that, that's what it was for a good chunk of the season was, yeah, they had these great stretches and these had, they'd have these bad stretches and it just, it never lived quite up to the hype of what it, it probably should have been, honestly. Hey, you felt that hype in the September run. I, that's the one thing I mm-hmm. would say. I, it's saying that I, I I feel like I'm waffling around here, and I'm, I'm really not if people listen to what I'm saying because you can be excited about them being a postseason team. You can acknowledge the, what they accomplished in September as being really good. You can also, and you should be doing that, Yes, too. you should. You can also acknowledge that the team did not accomplish everything that they were supposed to accomplish this year and that there were some missed opportunities. I, it's, I don't like people who are – to the extreme on one side or to the extreme on the other there's clearly some some nuance and some shades of gray in this and you know fans were treated to one heck of a september and they're going to be treated to a playoff game on tuesday and they could turn it into a great postseason run but that also doesn't cover the blemishes and i don't think it's going to with like a david stearns when he goes into the offseason i don't right. think i don't think stearns is going to say Oh, you know what? That we were a postseason team, and maybe maybe we won a series in the postseason. Everything's fine. I think you still look at the body of work over 162 games when you're assessing this team and the offseason decisions you're going to make. Yeah, and you know, I think it's fair to say. And again, I know you and I are talking about maybe this is us being negative, maybe it's us just being realistic. I think there is a positive look in it by saying, "Hey, they're playing with house money right now," which is, I think, kind of what they're doing. And there's there is a a big amount of positivity that can go into that, thinking, "Hey, they're here, so you might as well enjoy it." And I don't think that's necessarily. A ba- I don't think saying enjoy the ride it has to be a negative connotation. I think that can be a positive thing of, "Hey, look at what just happened in the last thirty days. Like, who knows what's going to happen in the next thirty? Yeah, I don't like the people who poo-poo the enjoy the ride thing because I think those people say, like, last year was a fantastic year and it was a fantastic postseason ride. That doesn't mean that you can't be disappointed that they didn't win Game 7 and get to the World Series. You can enjoy the ride and enjoy everything that goes into it. Baseball, more than any other sport, there's 162 freaking games in the regular season. It's a, it's a sport that is built to enjoy the entire process from start to finish. And the people out there that think when you're saying, oh, you're enjoying the ride, so it's you're saying it's okay not to win a championship, those things have nothing to do with each other. You can still be disappointed that you don't win the World Series while also enjoying the process that took you however far it took you. Yeah, you know, it's an amazing thing that multiple things can be true at the same time. Isn't that funny how that works? There's a lot of people out there who don't agree. <laughs> I know. And it's it's annoying. It's really annoying. Uh, and, but that's, you know what, I, I, I try not to tell people how to be fans. I end up doing it sometimes, but I do my best not to. I'll do it for you. Be better fans, people, all right? Just enjoy this for crying out loud. I'll do it for you, man. Thanks, Ashton. Appreciate it. Are you concerned about the prospects of – Max Scherzer slash Patrick Corbin slash Steven Strasburg on Tuesday. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> Next the, question. That's the only course, answer right. to that question. <laughs> Why wouldn't I be? We would have just ended. I don't, I don't care. If you would have said no, I would have just done. ended things right here. Okay, that's Ashton Rotman. Appreciate your time. Yeah, I mean, I just, look, I understand. So Scherzer in the month of September has not been great. I get it. But he's still Max freaking Scherzer. What am I going to do? Just just scoff and shove that aside? No, I don't. I don't want to see him out there at all. It's 
it's kind of a so I, I was I was talking about this either on my pregame or my postgame show on uh, on Sunday. It all it all runs together. There's a lot of people out there complaining about the one game playoff with the idea that well it's different. It's different because you would never there would never be a scenario where a team like the Nationals would be able to go Scherzer, Corbin, Strasburg, and those guys all be rested. Like even if you use all those guys say in a game seven of a playoff series, they're not all going to be rested. So this is the only scenario where you would see all those guys rested in a single game. And that's a that's a very valid point if you want to be frustrated about that. But at the same time, forty man rosters is a complete change of the rules of as well. And the Brewers right. have taken advantage of that. So I think it's it's tough to be angry about about the one-game play-in if you're not going to be angry about the 40-man rosters. So here, let me ask you this about Max Scherzer. So here, I, I've got his his game logs for the last five starts. These were all in September. He went 2-2. Two and two, The Nationals went 3-2. and two. He threw uh, 29 and two-thirds innings. Still struck out 43 guys. So I, I, I don't think, you know, look, I know the strikeout numbers are up, and especially for the Brewers, that's a huge thing. But I, I just... He's still Max Scherzer, yeah. and until he's not in a, especially in a playoff setting. And his last playoff game was uh, 2017 when he pitched, I think, in relief. I want to say against the Cubs, and I can't remember uh, exactly. But like, he's still Max Scherzer, and he still has that elite stuff, and he still also is one of the the ultimate competitors, right? So, if you want a game plan for a guy that's already thinking of ways to just outcompete you, that's that's really good in a playoff game to have that. It is, and. He he will go as long as he can, and then they can they can go to two other guys who are really good as well, and they're they're all a little bit different as well. That makes it tough, tough, tough. I mean, and you know what? I'll say this though, Ashton, the Brewers in their run in September, they beat a lot of really good pitchers. Yeah, and, that's true. They did, and and look, and like like I said earlier, you have to be the teams that are in front of you. It doesn't matter if it's the Pirates, the Reds, or the Nationals, or the Cardinals, or Cubs, or who. It doesn't matter. You have to beat who's in front of you. And and that includes the pitching staffs, and that includes guys like Sonny Gray, who they beat. That includes uh, beating or just taking on guys like Jack Flaherty, who who have been one of the best pitchers in baseball the entire season, and especially the second half, which I believe uh, he's had one of the best ERAs, uh, top three in history this the second half of the season. It's just it's baseball. I say this all the time. Baseball is very weird, where you never know what's going to happen, but there are still a lot of tendencies that you should pay attention to, like the tendency that Max Scherzer is one of the best pitchers in baseball. Do you like the choice of Brandon Woodruff to start the game, and specifically as opposed to maybe a decision to go with Jordan Lyles? I I haven't thought that completely through. What I had thought was going to happen was I thought that Brandon Woodruff was going to be pitching. And I had figured if this was lined up correctly, Woodruff would get the start, Lyles would get the middle, and then they would figure out the back end, right? So I'm assuming that's still probably how they're going to match it out, or map it out, excuse me, but also... I, I'm not sure if that's the way I would have done it. I just I, that was my feeling the whole time was Wardrop was going to get it followed by Lyles and then they'd figure it out from there. So I'm I'm fine with it. It's uh, I was a uh, my first initial thought was that Lyles was going to be the guy to start and maybe we'd see Woodruff. But then as I thought about it more, 
they worked really hard to make Woodruff only a starter, where so much so mm-hmm. that Gio Gonzalez was coming in out of the bullpen, something yeah. he, had, he hadn't done in 10 years. So then I kind of changed my tune on it and said, okay, well, maybe it's going to be Woodruff starting. And I said, well, do you really want Jordan Lyles coming out of the bullpen when he's been so good as a starter? Do you want him to do something different where baseball is so much about routine? But then I thought about the Nationals, and they got no problem bringing in Steven Strasburg and Patrick <laughs> Corbin out of the bullpen. Right. So why should I be worried about Jordan Lyles coming out of the bullpen. That's and, and plus, Lyles has been a bullpen pitcher. He was a bullpen pitcher for the Brewers last year. So that was kind mm-hmm. of my line of thought as, a, as it all kind of played out over the course of Sunday. Yeah, you know what else is interesting is think, think about the way that Craig Council talks about pitching, especially when we get into situations like this. What was the big phrase last season? It was always initial outgetters. Yeah, initial outgetters. And then that kind of evolved into I, we just we need to get 27 outs. We need yeah. guys that are going to get outs. I think at this point in the season, especially on the run they just went on, with the pitching that they got from a bunch of different guys, including very important guys like Jordan Lyles, like Brandon Woodruff, like Gio Gonzalez pitching in relief, I think his thought process right now is, look, we just need guys to get outs. Whoever that is, whatever order that is, in a one-game playoff especially, we need guys who are going to get outs. And, and I think he's just going to go with guys he trusts the most. And that means Brandon Woodruff, Jordan, probably Jordan Lyles. And I honestly, after that, I don't know. I don't really know what his plan will be after Brandon Woodruff. I'm just assuming that Lyles will come in second. Let's never forget that Wade Miley pitched to one batter yeah. last year. I mean, they're willing to do anything. It's possible. Yeah. I, I hope not. I, I would not want to see that in a wild card game. Well, they're, I don't think they're going to do that with Woodruff. The point I'm trying to make is nothing's off the table. Sure. You're right. And I, I, honestly, that's as just a fan of baseball, that's one of the most fun parts about Craig Council. Fun and infuriating at times, but mostly fun because it's, hey, I don't know what's going on with this guy, too. Oh, it's just the wacky thing that he's doing that sort of works. Craig Council is your longest tenured manager in the National League now. What do you say about that? Uh, wow. <laughs> um, I did see that stat earlier today with the uh, Joe Madden news. I, I don't know if you were – well, you and I talked about this before. No one's shocked about the Madden stuff, um, about Madden being relieved by – or not relieved, being said that they're going their separate ways. I don't know how they actually terminated it. Um, I think mutually but, part ways might have been the term. Yeah, because he doesn't—he didn't have a contract. I, I guess it makes sense. And you think about it, like it's been this is his you know four and a half seasons. This is his fifth season like with the team in, in the coaching capacity, and it's it's kind of remarkable the turnaround that they've gone through under him and David Stearns, of course. Um, look, they this is the highest payroll they've ever had this season, and yet people still complain about the, the spending, and, and this includes me at, at times and different trades that have been made. And different signings that have or have not happened, and yet he wins. He has won games every year, uh, starting with in twenty fifteen, or excuse me, twenty sixteen. Uh, they won seventy six games, twenty seventeen, eighty six. Last year, ninety six, and this year, eighty nine. They finished with so. Look, he wins games. So whatever you want to say about him, he wins games, and they're going to keep him around as long as he keeps winning games and and uh, gets into the postseason. It's. I mean, you look at some of these managers who are out, whether it's. Madden, now the Clint Hurdle, and that's a whole weird situation because he had previously said, hey, yeah, they told me I'm going to be back next year. It's so strange. Ned Yost, Bruce Bochy. I mean, there's a lot of longtime tenured managers who are who are not going to be around. Now, Joe Madden's going to be somewhere, don't get me wrong, but guys who have been around for a while seem to be exiting out the front door. Yeah, and I, the other thing is I think we need to look at the type of manager uh, we don't need to have a whole conversation on this, but the type of manager that Craig Council is versus the type of manager that Joe Madden is, the type of manager that Clint, Clint Hurdle is, and also the type of, of rosters that have been built in, in conjunction with the front offices that they have. Like Joe Madden and Theo Epstein, that worked. 
and it worked for X amount of years and worked very well for, for one year. You could say it worked very well for three years and when it went to the NLCS three straight seasons. But Clint Hurdle in, in, in Pittsburgh, that just it, it never worked probably to the extent that they thought it was going to work. Oh, let me, I'm going to pause you on that because they were, they were a dumpster fire when he got there and he got that team to the playoffs. Uh, that's a team yep. that that's a that's a major turnaround. So you know the Cubs getting to the NLCS with the amount of talent that they had for three years in a row, I think is equivalent to the Pirates making it to the postseason. Was it two years in a row or two out of three? Even if they're not yeah, winning, uh, 15, fourteen the, through sixteen or fourteen and fifteen, I think. Okay, so I I think that is very similar. So I would I would argue that point with you, Ashton. Well, okay, that's fair. But let me ask you this: Where are the Pirates now, and where have they been the last two or three seasons? And 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 in saying that, my question is: Do they have any? There's a reason that he got fired. It's not just that they weren't winning this year. It's do you think they have the prospects and the, the anything that looks like they're on the up and up? And I would say no to that. When you look at the Cubs, it's that's an undetermined thing, and that's probably why they they wanted to say we don't know which direction this organization is going, so we want to try and keep it on the up and up. Um, and with the Brewers, it's obvious which way that's going. That's why I would say with the Pirates, like, yeah, they right away they were bad. Then they made the playoffs, and then where have they been since then? That that would be my only thing on Clint Hurdle. Well, let's also and, and maybe maybe that's not even him. Maybe that's that's a front office thing. Well, here is what is on him because in the second half of the season, you know, they were right around five hundred at the All Star break. They mm-hmm. they had one of the worst second halves in the history of baseball. Uh, they had to at one point suspend, I believe it was their bench coach, for conduct, conduct detrimental. Uh, they, they had a pitcher, they had two pitchers get in a fight with each other in the clubhouse where one guy's done for the season because of punching somebody else and like breaking his hand. And then that guy he punched, and this has nothing to do with Clint Hurdle, but turns out that guy, if you believe the allegations against him, has been sexually assaulting children. So, I, I mean, there was... Forget the wins and losses for a second. There was a lot of other bad stuff going on with the Pirates. Right, and and that's, again, blame whoever you want for that. And the, the interesting thing to me about the Pirates is the fact that they're they're deciding, okay, we're going to move on from manager, move on from coaches, but we're keeping the, G, the GM. And I, I just, at some, some point, to me anyways, when I look at organizations, I, I usually start with the top, start with the GM, start with the president. Of, of the operations of baseball, basketball, whatever sport it is that it is a part of, start with them, go from there. Who, you know, what's their decision-making process? And then who's below them, the GM? What's their decision-making process? Do they get along with the coach? Do they work in conjunction to, to create rosters and players and plans? When you can see, going back to the Brewers, the Stearns and, and Craig Council work in lockstep. Would you agree with that? Yeah. they. I think so, they've got as good of a general manager-manager relationship as exists in baseball. Yeah, I just and I, I, you know, we we don't necessarily publicly see that in many sports. Just in general, it's not a public thing. It's the people who are around the teams are talking about the teams every day that see that stuff. I just, I don't know if Clint Clint Hurdle has been around a very long time, um, and I, I just don't know if he was, if he's of the mindset of okay, we you know we have to do it this way now, or you know we want to do we want to change things differently. If he's open to change, or if it just was hey, we just want to we just want to shake things up. We just want us to do something new. Get you out. He was a victim to that. Yeah, yeah. I'll get you out of here on this. Christian Yelich uh, wins the National League batting title for the second year in a row. He's the first player to win a batting title with the Brewers, and now he wins it twice. He'll be top three in MVP voting. Do you feel like he's got a legit shot at being the MVP? 
No, I don't, uh, which is kind of a bummer because <laughs> he would, I honestly think if, if they had done pretty much all this and, and if he had still been a part of it, I think he would have come away with the MVP again uh, this year if everything had stayed the same and he was a part of it. Um, I think what Anthony Rendon did, he would get my vote. Everything that he did pretty much from, what's at the beginning of June on, uh, he, he's probably been one of the most underappreciated players in, in baseball, just in the public eye. Um, for baseball fans, I would vote for Anthony Rendon, but I, I agree with you that Yelich is 100% going to get um, top three. And I, I wouldn't be shocked, though, if he, got, if he got a ton of first-place votes. That would not surprise me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ashton, give a plug for the, uh, for the shows you produce over on uh, 94.5 ESPN. All right, we got uh, the Power Lunch with Greg Matzik. That's weekdays from noon to 1 Central Time. And then right after that, TBD with Tony Smith and Brian D, uh, 1 to 3, again, Central Time. Both those shows are very different. You will hear me in very different ways on both of those shows. Uh, some of them are fun. Some of them are serious, depending on what's going on. But uh, I promise you this. This week we're going to talk a ton of Brewers baseball uh, pretty much all day. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, Ashton. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. That's Ashton Rotman, and this is Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. That's just about going to wrap up the program. So here is what the uh, the playoff schedule looks like as we sit and we're talking to you on Sunday night. Uh, there are no tiebreakers this year, no game 163s, uh, none of that sort of stuff. The postseason will begin officially on Tuesday with the wild card game as the Brewers and the Nationals are set to match up against each other. Pitching matchup in this game is going to feature... Uh, Brandon Woodruff getting the start for the Brewers in the regular season. Woodruff was 11-3 with a 3.62 ERA. I think one of the biggest storylines going in the game will be how deep Woodruff can pitch. Now, Brewers starters had not really been pitching deep into games, but if there was one guy who was going to be more of your conventional starter, it was going to be Woodruff. But he had not been stretched out in his couple starts since coming off the injured uh, the injury list. And uh, we we really don't know kind of how many bullets he's got in that arm, and that's something that we'll be watching. Uh, Jordan Lyles could come in behind him. That would probably make the most sense, uh, but maybe it doesn't work out that way. Uh, either way, Brandon Woodruff's going to go for the Brewers. For the Nationals, it's going to be Max Scherzer in the regular season. He was 11-7 and with a 2.92 ERA. And then the Nationals have already said that they plan to use uh, Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin out of the bullpen. So that's tough for the Brewers. The one blemish that the Nationals have as a team is their bullpen is not very good. And now it would at least appear, especially if it's a close game, that they may not even have to go to their bullpen in the sense that they're going to be using some of their starters uh, as bullpen pitchers. We should learn uh, what the Brewers' playoff roster, or at least what their wild card roster, will look like. That's always an interesting one to put together because it's just one game. So starting pitchers who you would use uh, in the next series, especially early on in game one or two, you can leave those guys off so you can get an extra position player, an extra bullpen arm. Uh, that's always – so in some ways, the it's almost like you have an expanded roster in the wild card game. You don't technically have the expanded roster, but there's guys who are on your roster who you're not going to put on the active roster for the wild card game. Again, the starting pitchers, because you're, you're just not going to use them. You need them for the divisional series, so you get an extra two or three players onto the roster that normally uh, would not be there and won't be there in the roster that you put together for the NLCS uh, and obviously uh, the NLDS before you even get to that. 
in the American League playoffs, Rays and A's are going to uh, open up the postseason against each other with the American League wild card game. That's going to be on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, it's the uh, NLDS, the Dodgers hosting either the Brewers or the uh, Nationals, and the Cardinals and Braves will play against each other. And then on Friday, you're going to have uh, the Ameri- You're going to have all four. That's going to. That's one of my favorite days of the playoffs. That's when you get all four series. The two uh, American League divisional series will continue, while the two uh, National League or the two American League series will start, while the two National League series will continue on. And we'll talk more about all that coming up next week. We're hopeful that when we're doing this podcast next week, that the Brewers are still playing baseball, but that requires them to win on Tuesday night against the Washington Nationals. My appreciation, my thanks to uh, Ashton Rotman for joining us here on the podcast, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. It's Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.